Well, it's great to be with you today. I want to add my welcome to you. Um, whether you are joining us today and you normally attend one of our sites, maybe the Catford site or Downham or Lee or Beckenham, um, I just want to send my greetings to you wherever you are and wherever you're joining us today. And I also want to just send my greetings to you if you're watching us from elsewhere in London or the UK or maybe from around the world. It's great to have you with us as well. And today, I guess, in the midst of what has been a very unusual week for us, uh, I want us to look at a very familiar passage if you're used to church. And so we're going to carry on with our Luke series. And I want us to look at a passage from Luke 19. Uh, and this is the story of Jesus and his encounter with a man called Zacchaeus. And we're going to read from verse 1 of Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, on the surface, this is just it's, it's quite an engaging, short, quite interesting story. Zacchaeus is a short, unpopular, rich man, climbs a tree in order to see Jesus. Jesus sees him, calls him down, and comes to his house, and Zacchaeus' life is never the same again. And there's this, it's, quite, it's quite a fun narrative. It's quite interesting. But as with many stories in the Bible, there is, if you like, even more going on underneath the surface than you see necessarily at surface level immediately because Jesus is demonstrating and teaching about his kingdom, about salvation, about money, about repentance, about the cost of responding to Jesus and following him, but also really about the cost of not responding. So I want us just to pray before we get into this passage, and we're going to ask God to reveal to our hearts the truths that he wants us to see and know. So let's pray together. Father, thank you that you're here with us now. Thank you that your word is living and active. And we want to ask you to speak to us right now as we look at this passage together. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, right at the end of the passage we read in verse 9, Jesus says these words, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And everything we read, if you like, in the verses 1 to 8, if you like, are an expression and an embodiment of what Jesus then says in verse 9. So what we're going to do together is we're just going to walk through the story and we're going to like, draw out some of the observations, some of the things we see as we go. So verse 1, it says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and 
was wealthy. So Jesus is on his way through Jerusalem, uh, sorry, through Jericho, on his way to Jerusalem. The story, if you like, the big story is quickening in pace. And we are told there is a man here called Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. In fact, he's a chief tax collector. And he's wealthy. Now, when Luke tells us that, he's not just giving us a bit of interesting background information. He's telling us something critical to us understanding the story. He says that this guy is a powerful man. He's a very rich man. But he is also a deeply despised man. Now, you have to remember, Israel is an occupied nation under Roman rule, and the Romans were ruthless, and they were brilliant. Basically, throughout their empire, they did this all over the place, at employing local people to do their bidding for them. And Zacchaeus is one of those. He is a chief one of those. He's a collaborator, in other words. He's an extortionist. He is growing rich off the suffering of his own people. He is, if you like, as far as everybody else is concerned in his community, a lowlife. He's the kind of guy that even the criminals look down on. So when you think of him, don't think of someone who just has an unpopular job. Think of him as someone despised. He's more, think of more of a slave trader or a sex trafficker or a collaborator in the Second World War with the Nazis ousting Jewish families for money and protection. And when you think like that, you are getting closer to the way people would have felt and thought about him. If you want a recent example, think of someone like Harvey Weinstein, the disgraced uh, film producer who is now loathed for the terrible things he has done, publicly disgraced and loathed for what he has done. Now, this man, who people think like this about him, now see what happens. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, we often think, if you know this story at all, that, okay, he's a short guy, he's small, he couldn't see Jesus because there's a big crowd, so he has to climb a tree. But really, I think the issue here is not that he is short, it's that the crowd won't allow him in. They won't allow him through. I don't know if you've had that experience. If you, if you ever drive and if you've driven down a dual carriageway, you will recognize this experience where two lanes and then finally after a while you see there's a sign saying that one of the lanes, the outside lane, is closing. You see the sign, everybody else sees the sign, and then you see the queue, and then you're faced with the choice. It's a moral and ethical dilemma. Do I join the queue like a good citizen early on and make my choice, or... Do I drive down the outside lane as far as I can, push in and cut in at the last minute and make everybody else wait in line while I just sail through as far as I can? Which one are you? I wonder which one you normally do. If you're the queue joiner, if you're that kind of person, what do you do when you see this person coming down on the outside wanting to push in at the last moment? Do you just allow them in graciously? Or do you make it as difficult as possible for them? Do you push your car out? Do you not allow them in? Do you just basically close ranks? Well, that's kind of what the crowd are doing here. You see, if Zacchaeus was respected, even if he was short, they would let him through. The real issue is not how short he is, it's how hated he is. And so they won't allow him through. But he wants to see Jesus. He has presumably heard news about Jesus. 
And there is something in him that wants to know who this guy is. So he, in other words, he's searching. He has some questions that he wants answers for. And the crowd make it difficult for him to see. They form an obstacle. If you're a Christian today, joining us today, uh, you and I have an opportunity. We have opportunities to make it easy or easier for people to see Jesus, to meet Jesus. Especially, I would say, even in this season, this you know, this unprecedented season we're entering into, how we care for people, how we respond to what's going on, how we initiate towards our neighbours, the people on our left and our right, are all ways that we can help make Jesus more visible to the people around us. Verse 5. When Zacchaeus, sorry, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, he calls his name. This, if you like, is the twist in the story because we begin the story with with Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus. And often that is our experience. If If you're a Christian or maybe you're on a kind of journey searching, asking questions about faith, many of us start our journey towards faith, we begin with our own questions. What's my life about? Why is it that I have many things maybe, but I'm not completely satisfied or I'm troubled by certain things? Or we start to ask questions about who Jesus is and about faith and could this be true? And I want to find out. And that's our story. And yet on our faith journey, as we go on that, we discover that our questions, our searching, our personal story, if you like, is caught up and enveloped within a much bigger story, a much greater desire, a much deeper truth that Jesus wants to meet with us, with me, and with you. And that's what we see here. We start by seeing Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus, but what we discover is the real story is all about Jesus wanting to meet with Zacchaeus. So Jesus stops. He looks up. And he calls his name. It's an incredibly powerful moment for Zacchaeus, for Jesus to see him and to call his name. When I was 18 years old, I was fortunate enough to go to university and I moved somewhere that I I didn't know anybody. I'd never had that experience before. And truth is, for the first three weeks, I found it hard. I was lonely. I felt a bit isolated. I missed home and I didn't know anyone. And I remember the day when I walked through a crowded student union and for the first time at university, someone called my name as I walked through. Now, I had, you know, probably by then had that experience thousands of times in my life, someone calling my name, sometimes hopefully for good reasons, occasionally because I was in trouble, but I was used to people calling out my name. But in that moment when I felt isolated and alone, for someone to call my name was incredibly powerful. I just, I noticed it. In this story, the crowd all know Zacchaeus' name, but Zacchaeus would think Jesus shouldn't know his name. Zacchaeus is a lowlife, and yet Jesus stops, Jesus looks up at him, and he calls his name. You see, God knows, God cares, God sees and God calls us by a name. It's an incredibly powerful truth, an extremely powerful truth, particularly in this season that we're entering into, that God sees and he knows and he cares and he calls us, whatever and wherever we are. 
In fact, Jesus says earlier in Luke to his disciples, you don't need to be fearful because God knows and cares and sees. He knows. In fact, he says he knows how many hairs are on your head. And I know that's a a more strenuous counting exercise for some of us than others. But it means he's deeply concerned and completely aware of you. And so Jesus sees him and calls him. And then he says this, fascinating words. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, I think it's fascinating and interesting that Jesus doesn't say, Zacchaeus, come down, follow me. He does that elsewhere in the gospel. But on this occasion, he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house immediately. And it is an incredibly significant moment for Zacchaeus. And these are incredibly significant words because we read on in verse 9, Jesus says this, salvation has come to this house today. So he says, I must come to your house. I'm coming today. And then later on he pronounces, today salvation has come to this house. When Jesus stops, when Jesus sees the kids, when he calls his name, when he tells him, I'm coming to your house today, he is making a statement to Zacchaeus. He is making a statement to everybody else who was there, and he is making a statement to everybody who hears these words today and who reads this passage in Luke. Jesus is saying, I am coming to seek and to save lost people. I'm here to rescue desperately broken people who have done awful things, whose hearts are covered in shame, who are desperately sick, who don't deserve mercy, but who are going to get mercy if they will receive me. I'm here to visit their very homes, their very hearts. I'm coming to win and to free and to heal and to change them. And this is how we get saved. This is how we receive salvation. We welcome him in to our homes, into our very lives. Now, in that culture, to allow someone or to invite them into your house if you like, was to invite them into your life. It was a very significant thing to have people in your homes. And this is how we receive salvation. This is how we get saved, that we welcome Jesus, that you give him access to the very center of your life. You give him your life effectively. He comes to inhabit your life totally. You give him the place of highest honor. He is the guest of honor. You welcome, if you like, the king of kings, into your life, into your house, into your home, and you surrender everything to him. That's how you get saved. And it is a wonderful truth today. As so many of us today are in our homes right now, and maybe in this season we're going to be more restricted. We will be more restricted to our homes and our households. Jesus is saying, I want to be in your life, and I'm coming to your house. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing truth and a great thing to hold on to. It is utterly wonderful Zacchaeus didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. It is utterly wonderful and completely outrageous. And the people in the story hate it. I mean, it's wonderful, but they can't cope with it at all. All the people, we're told, saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. See, they knew what he was like, and they had already, if you like, cast judgment on him. And it's interesting when you read through the Gospels and you read in Luke and even in the stories, you know, two or three chapters before this or just a chapter before, we often find that people sometimes become obstacles who want to get in the way. They're not happy with Jesus and they cannot cope with grace, with mercy, 
with forgiveness. The disciples get in the way of the children. In Luke 18, the people tell the blind beggar, be quiet, be quiet. They're not happy. The crowd can't accept what Jesus is doing with Zacchaeus. They try to block Zacchaeus from Jesus, and now they can't accept what Jesus is offering to Zacchaeus. And it's interesting and it's sad because the crowd are here to meet with Jesus as well. They want to know. They're interested in him. And yet they cannot receive him or they can't receive how Jesus is working because they, because actually of mercy and because of forgiveness, they can't receive him. So they're very unhappy with what's going on. And they miss what's happening. But Zacchaeus, for all his wrongdoings for all his disgrace, for all of the shame that he carried, all the horrible things he had done and was doing, he has no problem receiving Jesus. Amazing. Because, I think, he is already humbled. You see, he's just humbled himself by climbing a tree. No rich, powerful person would climb a tree. So he's already humiliated. People have already seen him. You know, Jesus is not the only one who would have spotted him. People would have been shouting at him. They would have been mocking him. He's already, if you like, humiliated. People hate him already. He is humbled in some sense. And so when Jesus calls him, Zacchaeus responds like a man ready. So verse 6, he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. I I have no idea if it's true, but I wonder if anybody had asked to come to Zacchaeus' house for years. But on this day, Jesus calls his name and says, I'm coming. And on the day when Jesus calls his name and on the day that Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus, everything changes. And the most telling sign that everything changes is what happens next. This is what we're told. Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Now quickly, let me tell you what I think this is, what is not going on. And then I'll tell you what I think is going on. When Zacchaeus suddenly announces he's going to give money away, this is not some way of qualifying for salvation. This is not an act by Zacchaeus where he qualifies to receive what then Jesus pronounces. In other words, Jesus doesn't pronounce salvation because Zacchaeus has given his money away. He doesn't, Zacchaeus doesn't qualify himself, in other words, by any virtue or any good deed. He is saved because Jesus calls him and because he receives Jesus. Jesus calls his name, I'm coming to your house, and Zacchaeus gladly welcomes Jesus. But because he is saved, because he is called and he receives Jesus, Zacchaeus' life now changes. In other words, as he gives his money away, he's not qualifying to be saved, but this is the fruit of someone's life who has changed, who has been saved. And for Zacchaeus, the big response in his life to receiving Jesus' salvation is all around money. Now, for other people, it will be other issues, but for Zacchaeus, it was around money because money and possessions and materialism had been such a big issue in his life. In other words, it had been such a big idol. That's why Luke tells us he's a very wealthy man and he has done everything to be wealthy. 
Money has dominated his life. He has centered, if you like, his entire life around getting more. He has literally bowed down to this idol. He has sacrificed to it. For a start, he's sacrificed any kind of social standing. People hate him. He's sacrificed any popularity. He's an outcast, and he's been willing to sacrifice that in order to have more. But the truth is, he, don't has, he doesn't have more enough. And Jesus talks so much in the Gospels about money and possessions simply because it is often such a potential threat to the condition of our souls. And it's a huge issue for Zacchaeus and it's a massive idol in our world and in our culture because it is such a temptation to our hearts. We think that if we pursue money and possessions, it will make us feel more secure. If we have more, it will give us more of a sense of safety. Maybe it will make us feel happy and contented. And money and possessions offers that to us if you just get some more of me. And we put it, if you like, in God's place in our lives. It becomes an idol and it is a horrible, horrible idol and God to serve. Because like all idols, money and possessions never deliver as advertised. In other words, they never give you the sense of security and safety and contentment that your soul is most thirsty for. And so Zacchaeus, in response to what Jesus has done, starts to give away what has previously captured his heart because he's displaced money now with Jesus. And Jesus says, this day, salvation has come to this house. Now, as we close, I want you to notice one last thing. If you know the book of Luke, or maybe you've been in the series with us, in Luke 18, the previous chapter, Jesus meets a rich young ruler. He also has an issue with money. One chapter later, Jesus is encountering Zacchaeus, who similarly has a problem with money. And there are lots of parallels between the two stories, but the outcomes of both stories are completely different. Both men are powerful. Both men are wealthy. They have loads of money. Neither of them, however, are totally satisfied. They are troubled in some way, and they're searching, and they come because they want to meet or they want to see Jesus. But that's basically where the similarities end. The rich young ruler is popular, pious, upstanding, religious. He'd be like head boy, probably, in a school. But he ultimately cannot respond to and receive Jesus. When Jesus says, listen, here's your issue. You have to sell everything you have. In other words, what he's saying is you have to destroy the idol in your life. If you want to follow me, you've got to, you've got to destroy that idol. And then if you do, you'll be able to follow me. But we're told that the rich young ruler leaves very sad. It's a tragic story when you read it. Zacchaeus is rich. He's wealthy and powerful, but he is anything but pious or popular. And he's definitely not upstanding. He's despised, he's unscrupulous, and yet he welcomes Jesus and he is liberated and free and he starts to give away his money and he is joyful. One of the men walks away with all his money intact, but deeply sad and troubled. And one walks away liberated, much poorer, but far more joyful. I want to finish, if you like, by asking you a question. Who wins in these stories? Who do you feel sorry for? Do you feel sorry for Zacchaeus because he gives away lots of money 
Or do you feel sorry for the rich young ruler? You see, the truth is there is a cost to following Jesus. You have to give him everything. You have to center your life around him. Give him control of your life. But the rich young ruler won't or can't pay the price. The price for him, if you like, of responding and receiving Jesus is way too high. But as Dallas Willard, the American writer, once said, there is an even higher cost to not responding to Jesus, if you like. Jesus himself said, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Yes, if you don't receive Jesus, you might keep all your money, you might retain your social standing, you may seemingly stay in control of your life, although to be fair, in this season, that the sense of whether that is a real reality or not is being shaken, isn't it, as to how in control we really are. But Jesus says, if you don't receive me, you will miss your life. You'll miss God. You'll miss living a big life. And ultimately, Jesus says, you can forfeit your soul. So I want to encourage you today, if you don't know him, search, ask questions, pray, humble yourself and come to him. And if you do know him, be encouraged. He is with you. And he says, I'm coming to your house. He wants to be in your life. You've already given your life to him if you know him. But he is coming to your house today. Let's close and we're going to pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you know us, that you care for us and that you see us. Thank you that you want to come to our homes. Uh, thank you that you're with us right now. Thank you that you came to seek and save lost people like us, that you call us and we have an opportunity to welcome you into our lives and into our homes and that you're here even today. And I want to pray for everybody who's joining today, God, that you'd speak to them and will have spoken to them through this passage today. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. We're going to finish now and we're going to respond just by singing and using this song, this is my desire.